Welcome to the Daily Boogie. everyone hello hello good to see you thanks for joining us hope you've had a lovely day i certainly have thanks for joining us the brand new endeavor the nightly show on youtube if you are watching live thank you so much for joining us it's nice and roomy in here because there's only about 15 of us we've we've found a nice little quiet corner of the internet to entertain each other so thank you for traipsing in, wandering in, marauding here into this little pen. We're going to have a little bit of fun and we'll have a little bit of serious chat too. I can see everyone in there. Angela, Kimmy, Kimmy Jong-un, Stop Incumbency, Dan the Man, New Beginnings, the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, ladies and gentlemen, James R. has also joined us in the chat. If you want to share the show out, please do, please do. If anybody subscribes, I this is going to be really nerdy. And I've noticed a lot of people doing it, like the gamers and stuff, when people subscribe or follow the channel, little things pop up on the screen. So I've got one of those ready to go. So if anybody happens to subscribe during the show, like during this part, then you'll see something come up on the screen. So <laughs> and it's, it's probably one of those things where it's going to get old really fast. Like halfway through, we're going to be like, ah, I'm done with this. But it was fun. It was a fun hour of pulling my hair out trying to set that shit up. It is like the old days. It's the old days when there was only about two dozen of us who would get together and have these conversations. How do you share from YouTube? Uh, hit the little Twitter button underneath the video there. There's a share button. And then it'll come up, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all of the other platforms. And then just click on the relevant platform. And then away you go. That's how it rolls. So thanks everyone for joining us. Brent Harris, good to see you, mate. It's been a while down there in sunny Melbourne. <clears throat> it has been a while. We're going to get into a little bit of Tucker Carlson. We're going to do a little bit of Brexit. And I've got a fun story to top it off for you. But if you would like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. If you'd like to support while we're on air, uh, just look for the link in the description on the YouTube. Uh, streamlabs.com. If you click that, you can support the show while we're rolling. If you'd like to become a subscriber of the podcast, please hit the, that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tear me down for potential hate speech, you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Plenty to get into. Just before we get into the Tucker Carlson stuff, did you guys, everybody's talking about the story. Hello, Celeste. Thanks for joining us. Everybody's talking about the story with the Hollywood celebrities bribing the university officials to get their kids in. <laughs> Can I just say straight off the top, why is anybody surprised? <laughs> like, I'm seeing all this outrage and surprise. Like, well, I never, I, ne I never would have expected this kind of behaviour from, from rich people and celebrities. Bullshit. Just about every single movie about university in the United States, isn't this the premise for every single movie? Like, there's some kid who has to, has to work in a diner to make tips and like, oh, man, I really need that scholarship. And why does he need the scholarship? Because he doesn't have rich parents or she doesn't have rich parents who can just make a big donation to the university and get their kids sailing right through. Like, isn't this the, the premise of every single college movie in the United States? That's the beautiful irony of it. Like Hollywood stars bribing universities to have their children uh, attend there. <laughs> and everyone's shocked by this revelation. But in real life, that's already like <laughs> in the movie world. 
I'd like his art imitating life or his life imitating art. It doesn't matter. Chicken and egg. Who gives a fuck? Everybody's been, everybody knows this has been going on for a long time. So <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I never, I never would have expected this kind of behavior. Bullshit. Of course you did. It's been happening for donkey's ears and will continue to happen. Because money talks and bullshit walks. Van Wilder said someone. Now there's a there's a college movie. <laughs> I prefer Animal House, to be fair. Animal House. Who was paying um Belushi's tuition fees? Because didn't he live at university for like 15 years in that movie? Nobody knew how long he's been there. He didn't seem to have a job. He just drank a lot of whiskey and had toga parties. I don't know. Maybe he had rich parents. I'm not sure. Uh, let's get into some tuck, tuck, tucker. This happens. Who knew? Exactly. Thought this story was fun. Newsweek. By, sure, by now, I'm sure you've all heard already about Tucker Carlson. But it gets better. If you want to see what these people want to do moving forward and how this is more than just about feigned outrage for some potentially offensive comments, well... Newsweek is give, giving you a little bit of insight into the mind of the totalitarian. Tucker Carlson could face hate speech charges if he were Canadian or British. Well, thank fuck he's not, right? <laughs> Fox News personality Tucker Carlson has faced growing calls to resign after racist and sexist comments he made on a radio show several years ago were brought to light by Media Matters. However, Canadian and British legal experts have told Newsweek that if Carlson were based in their countries, he could lose more than his job with national hate speech laws, meaning the host's comments could constitute a chargeable offence. Over the past week, Media Matters released clips from calls Carlson made to the Bubba the Love Sponge show, which is obviously a serious, hard-hitting commentary on culture and politics in the modern age. Bubba the Love Sponge. You know, if you go on a show called Bubba the Love Sponge, I'm sure that everybody's just hanging off every word. Every Like, this is the pinnacle of Western civilization. This is where the great minds gather to articulately trawl over the news of the day. Make their presence felt, right? Bubba the Love Sponge Show. I'm sure this is how it works. Between 2006 and 2011, and date back to his time as a host at MSNBC, the recordings reveal Carlson made a number of racist and sexist remarks, including calling Iraq a, quote, crappy place filled with a bunch of, you know, semi-literate primitive monkeys, and calling women extremely primitive pigs, whores, and the C-word. While Tucker defended his comments, citing his First Amendment right to freedom of speech, see, that's, see, why lie? Why lie? Because I don't think Tucker defended his comments. He definitely defended his right to make them. Do you see the difference? Newsweek. See, when we talk about fake news, I know we've, we've discussed this before, we're not necessarily saying that everything that somebody says is false. And, you know, we're not saying that everything that comes out of a particular source is a lie. Therefore, it's fake news. You know how people like to say, well, you just call everything you don't like fake news. And it's like, well, no, this, this stuff like this here, this is fake news. Tucker defended his comments, citing his First Amendment right to freedom of speech, he defended his right to say the comments. Sometimes these very, very minuscule layers of uh, complexity are too much. And it depends what kind of view you want to take on this. If you take the optimistic view, you can say, well, they're kind of misrepresenting what happened. I'm sure it's a mistake. I'm sure it's an accident. They just don't understand the difference. Or you could be someone like me who takes the cynical view who says these people know exactly what they're doing and how they manipulate others through the power of word. A high-profile Toronto-based criminal lawyer, David Butt, the Butt Boy, told Newsweek the Fox News personality's remarks could constitute, quote, hate speech in Canada, which under the country's criminal code can be considered a chargeable offence could these conversations in terms of their content qualify as hate speech under Canadian legislation? Yes, they could, but said. 
on their face, it's not difficult to see that why what, that when you're calling somebody pigs and whores as a class, that's hateful. I don't know, hateful? There was a lot of laughing. There was a lot of laughing going on in those clips. Some cheer, some cheerful hate speech. Some jovial hate speech. That serves to undermine their humanity. Oh, he's inhumane. However, Butt said, while it is certainly possible that Carlson could be charged for hate speech over his comments, there is a big difference between the possibility of a charge and the likelihood of a charge. Those are two very different things, and deliberately so, Butt said. The law is crafted, this is a quote from the lawyer, the law is crafted very carefully in Canada to keep open the possibility of a charge, but at the same time to diminish the likelihood of a charge openly telling you how this works. This is a point I've made before, so I'm going to do a little bit of callback here, but there is a reason that these kinds of laws are scripted in a particularly ambiguous fashion. Because a common argument that you'll get coming back the other way, if you are somebody who's pro-free speech and you're arguing with somebody who wants things like hate speech laws on the books... What will come back to you is lines like, well, what can't you say? Tell me, what can't you say? Which is, of course, a diminutive argument in the first place, because if you were to say it, then you would be breaking the law that you're arguing against. But putting that to one side, they'll say, what can't you say? Like, it doesn't say in the law that you can't say this. But I'm of the opinion that these laws are, like I said, crafted in an ambiguous fashion specifically specifically to stifle speech without necessarily criminalising it. You see, if you have a hard and fast rule of what people can and can't say, then people will attempt to find loopholes. People will push the limit. But if So if there's a line, people are going to tiptoe right up to the line, they're going to put their foot over the line, they're going to try and get around the line. But if the line is blurred and ambiguous then nobody really knows where the line is and people will operate within themselves. The analogy I've made is before is think of a game and there's a meter that goes up to the sky and different levels on this meter have a money amount attached to them and you've got a big red button. So as the meter goes up, you can hit the button and you'll win the money. Right, so $20, $40, $60, $80. But when you get to $100, you lose it all, right? So picture this game in like a fair. Now, I guarantee you, if the line where you lose all the money is $100, there's going to be a lot of people walking out with $90 in their pocket or $80 in their pocket because they're going to wait until that, that meter gets right up close to the line and then they're going to hit the button, walk away with 90 bucks. Now, think about the same kind of game again, but instead of having the line at $100, tell the people, you don't know where the line is. Right? The line is ambiguous and blurred. You can't go right up to the line because nobody is really sure where the line is. I guarantee you, you're going to have a lot of people hitting that button at $10 and $20 instead of $90, right? Because they don't know where the line is, they're going to operate within themselves rather than try to push it. That's the effect that things like hate speech laws have on discourse in a modern society. The vague, uninterpretable... Uninterpretable? Is that a word? The vague and ambiguous terminology around things like hate speech laws create a stifling effect because nobody really knows where the line is. So nobody pushes the boundary anymore. I was interested to see what Tucker said for those who might've missed it. I thought, let's bring up these potential hate speech charges. Let's have another little look here. See what Tucker's got to say for himself. Well, actually, he's not in prison for that. He didn't warn Jeff didn't marry underage girls. No, he, he's, in, he's in prison for facilitation of child rape. Whatever the hell that means. That means he's that... In prison. He's in prison because he's weird and unpopular, <laughs> and he has a different lifestyle that other people find creepy. No, he's an accessory to the rape of children. That is a felony and a serious one at that. 
What do you mean an accessory? He's like got some weird religious cult where he thinks it's okay to you know marry underage girls, but he didn't do it. Why wouldn't the guy who actually did it, who had sex with an underage girl, he should be the one who's doing what? life? So, <laughs> this is like the article we just read from Newsweek, right? Because they'll try to come out and say, well, he's defending pedophilia. <laughs> when all he's doing is pointing out that somebody who facilitates a marriage between a 16-year-old girl and a 27-year-old man, even though it's kind of weird, although in times gone past it used to happen frequently. Uh, did you know that today is Neil Sadaka's birthday? You know, O'Carroll's sweet little 16, I think, was one of his as well. I can't remember. But he was rather popular back in the 1960s. And, you know, back then they used to sing about 16-year-olds coming of age all the time. <laughs> I wonder now, maybe we should, if Neil Sadaka was in Canada, could we handcuff him, throw him in the clink for hate speech? Perhaps that's an avenue we should. I mean, we're taking all of Michael Jackson's movie uh, music off off the web now. We're historically deplatforming Michael Jackson. Maybe it's time we turn our attention to the 1960s boppy singers like Neil Sadaka, Chuck Berry. Oh, they're promoting. They're promoting pedophilia. This needs to be done away with. The, ra the, the rapist in this case has made a lifelong commitment to live and take care of the person. So I, it is a little different. I mean, let's just be honest about it. He's not accused of touching anybody. He is accused of facilitating a marriage between a 16-year-old girl and a 27-year-old man. But that's Tom, the accusation. That's what they're calling felony I know, rape. But in, Tom, in our that's state, bullshit. But I'm Tom, sorry. Now, this, Tom, this guy may be a child rapist. I'm just telling you I that arranging a marriage between a 16-year-old and a 27-year-old is not the same as pulling a stranger off the street and raping her. That's but, bullshit. But, <gasps> how awful. <laughs> You, you know they're trying really desperately hard to pin this guy, don't you? See, this is another thing we've spoken about. Um, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago called Removing a President Phase 2. And in that podcast, we discussed, you know, the, the two major drives of the Democrats and their surrogates and their associates and their activists and their advocates and their commentators, how they're going to go about doing this. And the first you know, prong of this attack is to intimidate the inner circle of Donald Trump through the use of the congressional committees. So, you know, subpoenaing documents, bringing people in, subpoenaing them, making sure that they're more focused on, you know, the investigatory hound dog that is sticking its nose right up their ass than they are working to re-elect President Trump in 2020. And the other prong of this is to sabotage, to castrate, to cast away any effective surrogates that Donald Trump might have in the media. In that example, I brought up the case of Sean Hannity potentially being subpoenaed by the Southern District of New York. Why? Because he had conversations with Donald Trump about Michael Cohen. So now you have rogue courts in the United States you know, using this as some kind of hammer, an intimidation tactic to, again, you know, isolate the president from his potential surrogates. And what do you think this is? <laughs> what do you think's going on here? Do you think it's a coincidence? I mean, the beautiful part is you've, you've got thousands and thousands of people on social media. I tweeted this out the other day. Thousands of people on social media are now calling for a network that they never watch to fire a guy that they never liked for comments that they never heard. And, and these are the people that want to define reality for the rest of us, want to tell us what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what can be said, what can't be said. These people who are so outraged by something that they have no idea about <laughs> they have to insinuate that you're some kind of horrible, disgusting person if you don't share in their confected outrage. Let's carry on. You know, in my brief experience, you know what gets women going is arguing with them. Really? Yeah. I did not, Brad, I never use them. It's true. You debate politics with a woman and just go, you know, just full blown out there, especially feminism. If you're talking to a feminist, 
and she's giving you, you know, well, you know, men really need to be more sensitive. And this, you know, actually, men don't need to be more sensitive. You just need to be quiet and kind of do what you're told. Enlighten. <laughs> I, I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> Up a little bit. Bitch. They love it. Alexis Stewart, we run I into her it. all the time. She seems like a. She seems Cunt. awful. Yeah, they're, she is. They're awful. very, they're very cunty. <laughs> she seems extremely. I like cunty. to hear that word out of. Oh yeah, I just, I stepped over me. She seems. What now? Go ahead. She just does seem a little cunty. Yeah, I mean, you said it. I'm just agreeing with you. I, I don't use that word. Right. Offensive. I'd love for Tucker Carlson tonight on MSNBC, a girl that comes across kind of cunty. Well, That's she right. does. I mean, I heard her. I. I mean, I. Now, I'm a Brent fan, so okay. I'm stating my bias right out front here. But I heard her on with him, and I just wanted to give her the spanking. She said. I actually want. <laughs> Maybe she was a little cunty. Maybe she was. Maybe he's just telling God's honest truth there. What I liked about this is, look at the comments. This was uploaded by Media Matters for America. I don't think it's working out the way that they expected. This is based. Whoever had to listen to dozens of hours of Bubba the Love Sponge to come up with three minutes of clips absolutely did not get paid enough. Imagine being this mad over calling Paris Hilton what she is because he called Paris Hilton a whore. Wow, so Tucker's fucking based and red-pilled on the woman question. Thanks for digging this up, Media Matters. This will backfire and I have the popcorn ready, based. This Tucker guy is awesome. <laughs> People pretending like they've never heard of him before. Wow, this who's this Tucker guy? He's amazing. <laughs> Tucker's ratings will soar even higher now. Can't cuck the tuck. Can we get the whole audio, you hacks? The real outrage here is that we all have to listen to Bubba the Love Sponge to see what this is. Everything he said was accurate. This is the best Media Matters has. Good luck. Thanks, Medieval Matters, for exposing Keith Ellison's sexual assault of Karen Monaghan and his ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. Oh, wait, you haven't got round to that yet, I guess. Fantastic bombardment in the comments section. This was maybe preempting what was coming here, Tucker Carlson. Sometimes, sometimes time has a funny way of turning itself around and staring us in the face. This was Tucker Carlson about four months ago at Politicon talking about what's happening to him right now. Maybe Tucker Carlson is a time traveler as well. Let's have a look. And I do not mean this as a compliment, are acting entirely in character with their character. Okay? That's what they do. Okay. Unfortunate. Let's refresh it again. Hmm. Well, <laughs> isn't this a downer? <laughs> a name you never heard two weeks ago. They use that to bully you. And okay. These people who have no basis for moral superiority sort of imposing a moral superiority on you. So it's like, you know what, I'm better than you because I really care about Khashoggi at the Washington Post. A name you never heard two weeks ago. Right. They use that to bully you into submission. You're like, oh, the smart person, Kathleen Hall Jameson, knows a lot of stuff I don't, I better obey. <laughs> it's a game. Don't play along. So now we're attacking women for using the great name. There you go. It's a game. Don't play along. They'll use it to bully you. The people who are self-appointed, the self-appointed moral guardians of our time, ladies and gentlemen. Tucker Carson foretelling what was happening to him right now. The thing about this demanding of apology stuff that goes on in politics, particularly from the left. Ducks Regionist, thanks for joining us over there on Twitch. You can also watch the show on Twitch if you've got the Twitch app, by the way. This demanding of apologies has nothing to do with addressing the outrage that somebody feels in a political sense. So you might demand an apology from your loved one or your friend or something like that. You don't demand apologies from your enemies genuinely. Because if somebody is your enemy, if you have built this person up to be the boogeyman... If somebody is a dragon, a political dragon that is to be slayed, then why the hell would you care if they apologise to you or not? You are focused on the dragon's defeat, not its feelings. 
And so when people in this political space, in this media space, demand apologies from other people, it's got nothing to do with addressing the outrage or the offence that they might feel. I mean, think about it. If somebody made comments 10 years ago and those comments come to light and you're particularly offended by those comments, is an apology going to address the feelings that you have? Is it going to make you feel better? Are you going to get closure? You didn't even know about the comments in the first place. Of course not. The demanding of apologies that goes on in this space is nothing to do with addressing offence. It is all to do with power. And we can fall back again, can't we, on the three laws of politics, that everything that happens in politics is all underneath the blanket of the three immutable laws of politics, which is everything, every action, every person, from the smallest detail up into the big moves, everything is all about one of three things, either getting power, keeping power, or stopping somebody else from taking it. And the power that is, you know, being wielded here by this demanding of apologies that's gone on for far too long. And Carlson is now like, you know, a high profile figure who has shown everybody just how weak and flimsy this, you know, this perceived wall of outrage actually really is. If you just say no, how quickly it dissipates like an asteroid hitting the atmosphere of the Earth, right? Breaks up into a million pieces. The power that is attempting to be wielded here over another person, your opponent, is the power to make them denounce their own speech. When you demand apologies in this fashion for things like this, you are trying to say to the other person, I have power over you. I have the power to make you denounce your own words. Your words belong to me. I decide for you what you can and can't say. I decide for you which outrage bones you can tickle. I will decide the terms of your surrender. And you will bow a knee to me. Because I dictate the game. I choose for you what you can and can't do. That's the power. And once you've given somebody that power, it's very difficult to take it back. And we all know the way that this plays out over and over and over and over again every single time. For those who do apologise, does it change anything? Does your life improve? Do people leave you alone? Of course not. The most recent relevant example, comparable example, would be Laura Ingram on Fox News. Remember when she had to apologise to David Hogg? Well, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean it. I shouldn't have said that. I went too far. Let's go to David Hogg for a comment now. I don't care for that apology and we're going to take it down anyway. We're going to keep attacking her. (laughs) Because to these people, when because they're not demanding an apology from a genuine place to begin with... The apology is merely a signal. It's like shooting a flare up when you're on a rubber ducky in the middle of the ocean, dying of thirst. And that flare indicates to the big battleships that are circling you, now is the time to shoot. They're weak. Now is the time to sink them. That's the way it works. That's why you have the apologies. Celeste asks, uh, what's your uh, Twitch handle? The Twitch handle is The Daily Boogie over on Twitch, The Daily Boogie. So if you do want to see a little bit more moral outrage here. You know, folks, here's Stephen Colbert, who was funnier when he was impersonating a Republican than he is as himself, which must must be a terribly sad thing for Stephen every day when he gets home. When he was pretending to be a Republican, when he was pretending to be a conservative, people loved him, even though he was making fun of Republicans and conservatives while doing it. Now that he's playing himself, he's kind of drab, kind of hack. (laughs) Very little imagination. 
So he's going to have a little rail on Tucker Carlson here. Uh, remembering, of course, that Stephen Colbert is the guy who, on his late night, quote unquote, comedy show, said that. Oh, we're getting we're getting spam spamming signals. <laughs> Sorry, Angela. The the bot is kicking people's asses in the chat there. Uh, this is the guy on his late night comedy show who did something that nobody would have done only a few years ago. What did he refer to President Trump as? Putin's cock holster, right? Remember that? Now, now he's going to tell you why Tucker Carlson shouldn't have said what he said. <laughs> we have a lot of fun here talking about some of the horrible things the president says on camera. But it's not fair to single him out, okay? A lot of people say terrible things. And by a lot of people, I mean Tucker Carlson. He has been saying just awful stuff for years. Yeah. In fact, between 2006 and 2011, Tucker spent an hour a week calling into a shock jock radio show hosted by a gentleman named Bubba the Love Sponge. (laughs) By the way, Love Sponge, the least effective method of contraception. (laughs) The most effective? Tucker Carlson. (laughs) Anyway. Yep. <laughs> oh, he's a fucking comedy genius. Boo! Did you hear that? He's like the next Jack Black. Boo, 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 boo. Anyway, Media Matters so went through funny. all of the Tuck's appearances with Mr. Sponge. And evidently, Tucker is none too kind to the ladies. For instance, here's one from 2010 where Tucker's talking about then Supreme Court nominee Elena Kagan. Sure. But I do feel sorry for her in that way. I feel sorry for unattractive women. Yeah, but she could certainly, I mean, shape it up a, a little bit. I mean, I mean, lose 10 or 15 pounds, get a tan, <laughs> fix those teeth. I mean, no, get a, it's just absolutely fundamental. Physically, the problems are I mean, this just woman, fundamental. She's okay. never going to be an attractive Let's talk. Oh, how dare you say something that's plainly obvious. Ooh on a funny shock jockey show. Why, here here at the Colbert Report, no, wait, that was the good show. Here at the Stephen Colbert Show, we hate it when people make jokes about other people's appearance, right? This is, this is unacceptable behaviour. The irony here is uh, women love Tucker Carlson, by the way. <laughs> they think he's a sweetie. They think he's a teddy bear. Boo, 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 boo. Tucker Carlson, ladies and gentlemen. Stephen Colbert. How dare you? How dare you, sir? How dare you? So I don't think it's going to work out this time. And Tucker played it exactly the right way. And he's shown everyone else what to do. Just give them the big middle finger. Because your apology, if you decide to give it, is not going to change a damn thing. It's about power. Not about addressing feelings of offence. This is going to crash and burn. And, you know, well done to Fox. I'm not the biggest fan of Fox News, but well done to them for not caving in as well because I fully expected them to. I thought, oh, they're probably going to cut him. Thanks for following over on Twitch. They're probably going to cut him. They're probably going to shake him loose, but they didn't. Maybe it's a turning point. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But ideally, what the place we want to get to is the place where the confected, contrived, manipulated, manufactured outrage mobs on social media no longer have any kind of respectable pull in society with these various companies. And now that that illusion has been shattered, that like, hey, these people aren't as powerful as they make out, as long as you just say no, then that's that's really all they can do is scream a lot. Oh, you're really upset about something that was said? I don't care. I don't care how you feel. Your feelings and your perceived, you know, the, the wounds that have been inflicted on your soul are completely and utterly irrelevant to me. I don't care about you as a person. I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about your opinions. I don't care about you. (laughs) Now what? Done. Game over.
Tucker Carlson, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure he'll get even more popular. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to having a hate piece written on me at some time in the future. Use it as a testimonial. Just a little bit on Brexit. The Brexit plan just failed again in Parliament. What happened and what's next? You guys keeping up with this? Britain's Parliament on Tuesday soundly defeated Prime Minister Theresa May's plan to exit the European Union, a 391 to 242 vote that is likely to delay and could derail it entirely. It is a devastating blow to Mrs May that threatens her hold on power. The vote left the nation with no obvious way forward. Just 17 days before the deadline for leaving the European Union, Parliament is sharply divided on when, how and even whether to proceed with Brexit and whether to call an election or a second referendum. Just another example of people in the Western world being bent over a barrel and routinely fucked with anger by the political class. It was always going to be hard for Theresa May. She campaigned on the Remain side to begin with, but I suspect that this was the plan all along. You know, a friend of mine messaged me and said, well, they're looking at having a second referendum. And I I just fired back. Well, I suspect they're going to have referendums and delays and votes and elections until they get the result that they want. And then it'll go away. It's looking increasingly like Theresa May or the Tory party, who are a disgrace and have been for a long time. And they're not conservative. They're not even close to conservative anymore because, again, they've allowed political correctness to rule and dominate the discourse in their country to the point where, you know, to be a conservative is to be just a little bit to the right of the leftists but be called a Nazi for doing it. That's that's all the difference is. Ducks Region says the bots in Twitch are very Euro polite. Oh, that's that's very nice. See, political correctness is like bumper bowling. And if every bowling ball thrown down the alley is, you know, a potential argument or a statement or an opinion, political correctness keeps the balls from going off track. And it takes them all to the same place. So it doesn't matter if you throw it to the left bumper, doesn't matter if you throw it to the right bumper. It doesn't matter if you close your eyes when you throw it. doesn't matter if you, you know, throw it between your legs. They all end up in the same place. And when we allow political correctness to take a stranglehold on our societies, we are allowing all allowable thought to feed into the one shoebox, into the one shallow grave. It all ends in socialism. Because any opinion or any argument or any, you know, doctrine or any fact that doesn't fall within the quote-unquote allowable is banished. And anybody who says it is banished. And that way the train can't go off the tracks. It eliminates all possible outcomes from conversation and discourse from the potential ones and leaves you with just one, which is more control. So I suspect as soon as that Brexit vote happened, people started working away, trying to figure out a way to make it go away, to un-Brexit. And it's looking like Theresa May in the next election will lose to Jeremy Corbyn, at which point the Labour Party over there in the UK, the left-wing party, will say that their election itself was a referendum on Brexit. They'll they'll run on a you know a very a very small remain platform because a lot of their voters actually support leaving. But they'll make little statements during the campaign. Well things like the Brexit debacle, the Tories have to own the Brexit debacle. The Conservatives have to own it. So if you vote for us, we will do what has to be done in regards to the Brexit deal. Or they'll run on a platform of a second referendum. It's time to it's time to end this charade. And then it all goes away. A second referendum now after three years of this being dragged out. How many people do you think would be disheartened at this point and say, what's the point of even voting for it? We're not going to get it anyway. 
they they won't make the same mistakes on the on the remain side they'll they'll motivate their voters more so than they did the first time around what's the way out of it for the uk i'm not sure i don't know what the way out is Wizard says, I can hardly wait for the premiere of Moral Gardens of the Galaxy. <laughs> Who would be the director, I wonder? I'm not sure. Good question. Good question, comrade. Keeping on the Brexit theme, apparently Brexit preppers are stocking up on emergency supplies. Let's check it out. If it loads. Going very slow. Well, this is disheartening. <laughs> nope. Give it one more chance. Thanks for joining us, by the way. I'm planning to do this Monday through Thursday. The new live stream, 11pm. I think that's the time. I think that's the best time to go. Get the Wolfmen and the Alcoholics on board. Uh, the Thursday night free-for-all, the marathon. Brexit uncertainty has been bad news for most British businesses. The free-for-all will remain on Periscope as well as YouTube and on Twitch, but Monday through Wednesday we'll, we'll just go to uh, Periscope and, uh, pardon me, to YouTube and Twitch. But not all. Having a no deal that's looming in the next couple of weeks is a factor as to why the business has grown significantly. James Blake is a co-founder of an emergency food supply firm, and he says this branded box has helped attract many new customers. I see, I like this. This is capitalism working. A guy has identified a niche market, he's identified a crisis, and he's profiting off it. What's What the hell's wrong with that? <laughs> You're profiting off fear. Yeah, so, so are the people who sell, you know, bulletproof vests to the police. People have accused us of profiteering and fear-mongering, etc. but we're a preparedness company. How do you help people to be prepared without suggesting that there might be something to be prepared for? <laughs> Joelle Garth has planned extensively for Brexit. She's Could you imagine these idiots who are attacking anyone, anybody over in Twitch? Yeah, Ducks Regionus is in Twitch, Angela. I think Celeste is over there as well. Twitch isn't a bad little app, by the way, if you want to check it out. I think it's mostly for gamers. But can you imagine how stupid you would have to be if you were attacking this guy for fear-mongering? He's making money off the potential falling through of the Brexit deal, right? We get it. Selling preparedness packs for Brexit, just in case shit happens. But why is there, why is there a panic about the preparedness? Why is there a panic about Brexit? I'll tell you why. Because for two years, the Remainers have been saying, if you vote for Brexit, the entire economy is going to collapse. Everybody's going to be starving to death. <laughs> right? You can't vote for Brexit. This is going to collapse the world economy, you madman. What the hell is wrong with you? If you vote for Brexit, it will be the end of life as we know it. People will be feasting on their family members. Cannibalism. Every, there'll be death and misery in the streets. And so this guy's like, oh, okay. Well, based on all that, here, here's some food in a bag so you don't have to eat each other. And they're like, you disgusting person profiteering off fear. <laughs> Did you ever feel like you were just standing on a shore watching, you know, watching the tide roll out? And the, and the tide represents, you know, rationality and reason. <laughs> and it's just getting further and further away as we watch it. You ever feel like the world is just getting increasingly insane on a daily basis? This Brexit deal means there's going to be disaster, crashed economies, poverty, blood and murder and violence in the streets. But don't you dare sell people food in a bag because then you'll be profiteering off fear. <laughs> Let's carry on. Says, while the British government has not. You've got retailers telling you that you're not going to get fresh fruit and veg. You've got suppliers stockpiling. And so this just seems a natural thing that actually, why don't we do that too? For months, you're not allowed, peasants. On her weekly shop. 
You are supposed to be at the whim of your overlords, you disgusting peasant. Now fall in line. Don't you dare think for yourself. Don't you dare make money. Entrepreneurs are cancer. To stock up on essentials and avoid any shortages. But for her family, Brexit threatens more than just the food supply. <sighs> Biggest concern for me is my medicines for my daughter. Um, my daughter's got severe epilepsy and without medicines, sh the consequences would be catastrophic. She could eventually, you know, she could die. Each year in the UK, pharmacists prescribe a billion items to treat patients. It's just, it's just, you know, again, if we're talking about people who are moral guardians, oh yeah, you can use uh, emotes on Twitch. They come up on the chat. If, again, if we're talking about people who are supposed to, you know, the self-appointed moral guardians of our time, how disgusting is it to tell mothers and families that their children are going to die if somebody votes for Brexit? You're not going. They're not going to withhold fucking medicine from your kids. They might insinuate that they're going to withhold medicine from your children, but no politician in their right mind would allow that to happen. You know, ultimately, you know why? Because none of them want to get voted out. The, the government will subsidise the medicine if they have to, to get it to the people, because why? Images of children dying from not getting access to medicine because of the Brexit deal is not something you want to run on in an election campaign. It's not going to happen. And again, the, the confected outrage culture that we live in, and that, if you want to talk about people profiting off fear, that's, that's who profits off it, the politicians. The ones who tell you that they are the moral guardians of our time and then in the very next breath say, you better vote for me because otherwise your kids are going to die. Isn't it obscene? If it were porn, it would be snuff. It would be snuff porn. This, this is the equivalent of snuff porn in politics and media. This garbage. So we'll keep tracking what happens over in the UK future episodes. One more story for you here. Speaking of porn, woman suffers stroke after oral sex orgasm causes brain bleed. A woman passed out mid-oral sex after her imminent orgasm caused a small stroke. Stroke me, stroke me. The unnamed 44-year-old was enjoying the fruits of her lover's labor when she lost consciousness for two to three minutes. He rushed her to hospital, fearing she had suffered a fit. When they arrived, the man told medics his partner's body had gone stiff during the episode. Can you just imagine that? You're down there. You're down there eating a box lunch. And then all of a sudden, like, the legs are, like, straight up in the air. And you're, like, tap, tap, tap on the stomach. Honey? Honey, are you okay? Honey, are you okay? Are you there? Honey. <laughs> <laughs> have to have to get this person who's now stiff as a board and naked and mid-coitus put her into the car across the back seat maybe maybe in the boot in the trunk of the car with her legs sticking out sticking out the back <laughs> just tie a little rag to one of her toes because that overhang you know what I mean someone might drive right up the back of her she felt sick when she arrived at the hospital and was suffering a nasty headache, which she scored as 6 out of 10 on the pain scale. But 10 out of 10 on the pleasure scale. Doctors led by Eunice Gokdogan. Eunice Gokdogan. That's a good doctor name. At the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital wrote in a BMJ case report, on closer history taking, the patient reported nearing orgasm while receiving oral sex from her partner before losing consciousness. Her partner estimated she was unconscious for two to three minutes with no con convulsive activity reported. She had otherwise been proceeding well preceding the event. See, the thing that I noticed most about this article here, and I think this is the real tragedy. Don't do it. Streamlabs wants to ban ducks. <laughs> I'll turn off the caps. I'll turn off the um the cappers over there on Streamlabs when we're done here. We're still figuring it out. This is the first time going to Twitch. First time doing this, so we'll iron out all the kinks. Uh the the great tragedy here, I think, is this guy. Because who doesn't want to have a reputation to, that says, hey, 
if I deliver oral sex to a female, they'll literally end up in hospital. So, so this guy's going to be down the pub or something at the bar next time telling his buddies about this event. And, you know, he's going to be drinking and he's going to be puffing his chest out going, you know what, mate? I am so good. I am so good at eating pussy that my wife ended up in fucking hospital, mate. That's how much of a fucking legend I am. Big fucking Jones, John Holmes guy, mate. I deliver so much pleasure that the pleasure literally explodes the woman's brain. And they're going to be like, ah, bullshit. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this wanker talking himself up. Bullshit, mate. That never happened. That's a lie and you know it. <laughs> I bet he wants his name in the paper. And then he'll open a Tinder account. <laughs> I enjoy walking on the beach, romantic candlelit dinners, and eating vagina until it causes a brain aneurysm. <laughs> like, where is this guy? I gotta find him. Oh my god! <laughs> Absolutely sensational stuff. A little bit cunty, as Tucker Carlson might say. Well. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. We'll keep a track of can't tuck the can't cuck the tuck. We'll keep a track of Brexit. Don't forget the free for all on Thursday night. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. If you'd like to support during the live broadcast, just hit the Streamlabs icon in the description on the YouTube channel. If you'd like to become a subscriber of the show on the podcast, we'll still be podcasting all of the episodes. Uh, head to Podbean or iTunes or Player FM, hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to cause a brain aneurysm for me, then bring your laughing gear and wrap it around my Twitter handle, at Bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon.